Ephesians, and Ephesians chapter 1, and verses 1 through 3, and we're going to talk about what Jesus Christ did for us, and who we are now because of him, and how we need to surrender everything to him because he is our great hope. He has a plan. He has a future. He has everything good for us, and he has blessed us in tremendous ways. And at the moment that we accepted him, all of the blessings that he has for us poured into our lives, and they are there for eternity. How great and how awesome is that? In Ephesians, in chapter 1, starting in verse 1, notice what he says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Notice that, by the will of God. He has a will for each and every one of us as well. And he wants us to yield to him and allow his perfect will to be accomplished in our lives. But notice in verse 2, well, the rest of verse 1. To the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this. Who has blessed us with what? Every. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In heavenly places in Christ. Which means that our blessings are not earthly. They are heavenly. They are eternal. I was reading a story about this lawyer who had called a family in. Their uh, kinfolk had died, and he was very wealthy. And so all these greedy family members came in to hear the will read, anticipating that they would leave a lot wealthier than they came. And the lawyer began to read the will. And then he said this. He said, Being of sound mind, sound body, and sound spirit, I want you to know I spent it all. I spent it all. And you get nothing. <laughs> that is not the father that we have in Christ. That is not the father. We get it all. Everything he has belongs to us. We become part of the family. We are children of God. And everything he has belongs to us. And that's what Paul is trying to get us to understand here. And we're going to look at all the blessings that he has poured into our lives. Webster def defines blessed as of and enjoying happiness, specifically enjoying the bliss of heaven. It carries the idea of that which brings pleasure, contentment, and good fortune. Simply stated, it is the state of being 
that we all want to enjoy. And we can enjoy in our relationship with Christ. We all like blessings, don't we? I mean, who doesn't want to be blessed? Who doesn't want to have the blessings of God poured into their life? There isn't a person in the room today that does not enjoy a blessing. And certainly, we are blessed people. But when it comes to the matter of blessings, we often view them in the wrong light. We view them wrongly. You see, most often, we think of blessings as things that are physical and mental in nature, earthly in nature. You see, we want the blessings, but we want the blessings of earth. God wants to bless us with the things that he has created. And there's nothing wrong with that. But yet and still, that is not what he really wants us to have. He wants us to have the heavenly blessings, the things that he can pour into our life that we can get in no other manner. You see, if everyone in our household is well, we consider ourselves what? Blessed. You see, if we have money in the bank and all of our bills are paid, we call ourselves what? Blessed. If we are living in a nice home and driving a good car, we consider ourselves what? Blessed. And I would have to agree with you that that is being blessed. And God has blessed us with that. And I thank God for that. But I want you to understand what happens when a loved one passes away. Have we lost our blessing? You know, what happens when all of a sudden the car that we're driving turns into a junk car and falls apart? Have we lost our blessing? Or what if our house is falling apart? Did we lose the blessings of God? What happens when there is no money in the bank and we can't pay our bills? Does that mean that God is not blessing us? No. You see, we've got this confused idea of what a blessing really is. You see, the answer is no. We still are blessed in major, major ways. You look across the world, and I've seen it with my own eyes as I've gone in many countries. You look across the world, and you don't have to go far. You can even look at, in the United States and find the same situations a lot of times. But there are people who are struggling to make it just through the day. There are people that, that are, are struggling because it seems like one thing after another after another after another happens in their lives. And they are, are good people. They are Christian people. They are people who love the Lord. They are people who are trying to serve the Lord. But yet and still, they are not blessed as some people that are not even Christians. Does that mean that God doesn't know what he's doing? Does that mean that, that God is not faithful? No. God has a plan and purpose for each and every one of us. And you know what? We're not living for this world, but for the world to come. And, and so God knows what he's doing, and he's using each and every one of his children in a different way to honor him, to bring glory to him, to, to accomplish his will, and to allow the world to see Christ in the midst of their lives, no matter what their lives are really like. 
You see, so often we have the wrong view of the blessings of God. So I want you to understand something here. You know, God knows exactly what your life needs to be like. And he is working it out. All things work together for the good of the, those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so we need to trust God in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of bad times, and in the midst of good times. You see, what we fail to remember is that the kinds of blessings that we want are temporary. They're earthly. They are, are, are here today and they're gone tomorrow. The car we drive will one day die if we keep it long enough. The money that we have in the bank will usually be spent and all of a sudden our bank accounts are empty. The home will one day rot and decay. Our health will eventually decline if we get old enough. And sometimes we don't have to be old for our health to decline. So in the midst of all of those difficulties, we have to trust God. Now, there is a person that we're going to see on a video that understood that truth. He understood that God had a plan and purpose for his life. So I want you to watch this video for a moment and let it sink in what he is saying. If you'll go ahead. place if I do. Jesus told his followers to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, to every nation, to the ends of the earth. John Chow was a teenager when he took his first missions trip and when he felt called to invest his life to reach the people of North Sentinel Island, who had violently rejected all previous contact with outsiders. John answered that call. Here am I, send me. For the next nine years, every decision John made was with an eye toward going ashore on North Sentinel Island. He served in multiple countries to gain missions and ministry experience. He trained in linguistics to help learn their language. He was certified as an EMT in the hope of serving the tribesmen medically. Once I said yes to Jesus, I was committed. I was all in. I believe that the measure of success in the kingdom of God is obedience. I want my life to reflect obedience to Christ and to live in obedience to him. I think that Jesus is worth it. He's worth everything. In 2018, with the backing of his missions agency, John went to North Sentinel Island. He knew the risks, but his passion for the North Sentinelese and his desire to be obedient to Christ drove him forward. Sitting in the boat, getting ready to go ashore, John penned a final note and a challenge to his family. You guys might think I'm crazy in all this, but 
I think it's worth it to declare Jesus to these people. Please do not be angry at them or at God if I get killed. Rather, please live your lives in obedience to whatever he has called you to, and I'll see you again when you pass through the veil. The eternal lives of this tribe is at hand, and I can't wait to see them around the throne of God, worshiping in their own language as Revelation 7, 9 to 10 states. I pray none of you love anything in this world more than Jesus Christ. Within hours of writing those words, John Chow was killed by the Islanders. John believed that the measure of success in the kingdom of God is obedience, and he would be obedient to God's call, no matter the cost. Who will pay the price to go to every tribe? Do you think God forgot him? Do you think that was part of God's plan? Yeah. A lot of times, God's plan doesn't make sense to us. We don't understand it on this side of heaven. But God knows exactly what he's doing. And God has a plan and purpose for everything he does. There is nothing that he does that he doesn't have a plan and purpose for. And so we have to trust in him. What did, what did John say? That the most important thing is obedience. Allowing the will of God to, to be done in your life. To know what his will is. And your whole life is to accomplished that will and everything he did was to follow the will of God and to be obedient to him and to accomplish what God wanted him to accomplish what do you think that spoke to his family it should have spoken to his family that he he gave his whole life for Christ that Christ was more important than anything and obedience to God is more important than life itself and we as Christians need to learn to understand that. We need to learn to understand that all the things that we work so hard and want in this world means nothing compared to what God has in store for us. And what God wants to do in our lives and through our lives. You see, what we need to know is that real blessings of the Lord is not material or physical. The real blessings of God are spiritual in nature. And these spiritual blessings will never be taken away from us. They are eternal. Even when everything else is gone. And everything else has broken down. And everything else has been spent. We still possess the best of God's blessings. They cannot be taken away from us. There are three things that we need to look at here on how to recognize God's best and God's blessings in our life. Notice how this verse begins. It begins with a note of praise to the Lord. Notice with me. 
in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is he doing? He is praising him. He is exalting him. He is thanking him for all that he's done and going to do in his life. And the very first thing, before he even begins to talk about being blessed, he begins to bless God. He begins to bless him and thank him and praise him for who he really is. Now, I want you to notice that these words are in the Arius tense, which is equivalent to the English past tense, which means even before creation, God had placed those things, those blessings, into our lives because he knew us before we ever were born or before he created anything. He knew us. He had a plan for us, and he was already working that plan into our lives. But not only is it in Arius tense, it is in an active voice which means that it is continual. This means that these blessings that we receive from God when we became a Christian will continue on into the future through all eternity. How awesome is that? That God blesses us, continues to bless us, and will always bless us. In other words, I have been blessed, I am being blessed, and I will always be blessed. Look at what God has done for us. And so often we sit and, and don't even worship him or, or, or don't even thank him for what he has done in our lives. Now, there are times when it may not feel like you are blessed. And in fact, it, it feels like everything is stacked against you and everything is falling apart in your life. But I'm here to tell you that no matter what you feel like, the truth of the matter is the word of God is true and it says that you are blessed and that he is doing a work in your life. And we need to be like John, too, who said no matter what, God, I'm going to be faithful to you. No matter what it's like. Look at, look at the Christians in Sudan who have been massacred and their family has been massacred in front of their eyes and they will not renounce Jesus Christ because they are a blessed people. And we feel like sometimes that we are being persecuted. I'm telling you, we don't even know what persecution is like in this country. And I'm here to tell you, God wants us to hold on to him and to worship him and to exalt him no matter what's going on in our life. That we trust him. That he doesn't have to prove it over and over again, but that you trust his word and that he is blessing you each and every day. Now notice the blessings that Paul begins to talk about. The, the quantity of these spiritual blessings. The quantity of these spiritual blessings can be summed up in one word. And that one word in verse 3 is what? Every. Every spiritual blessing. That means you have it all. That means that God pours it into your life. Every spiritual blessing God pours into your life as Christians. The word tells us that in the Lord we find every single thing we need to live the Christian life. To live it and to serve him and to be faithful to him 
and to honor him and to accomplish his will. God has held nothing back from you. Even though sometimes you think he has, he has not. When he saved us, he gave us everything we needed to serve him, to live for him, and to be faithful and to accomplish his will. Notice what the Bible says, that we are joint heirs with who? Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That everything that God has belongs to who now? Us. The power that God has. The grace that God has. The forgiveness that God has. Everything that he has, everything that he is, we are joint heirs with. And if we allow God to pour that into our life and us to receive that and us to use that, can you imagine how we could turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ? You see, God has held nothing back from his children. We have everything that we need to be content, to be successful, to be obedient, to be useful for the kingdom of God. We have everything to be happy in Jesus Christ with. When you and I got saved, we got everything that Jesus had to offer us. At the moment of our salvation, it was poured into our lives. But look at the quality of that blessing that he pours into our life. You see, the quantity is everything. Let's look at the quality of it. Paul describes these things as blessings and heavenly places. This literally means that these blessings are things that originated where? In heaven. Not in earth, but in heaven. From God. They are not earthly blessings, but they are heavenly blessings. In the most literal sense, they are heavenly things. In Philippians, in chapter 4, and verse 9, notice what he says here. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, I'm sorry. It says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, he says that he will supply what? What does all mean? Everything. There's nothing that he cannot meet in your life. All right, so notice what it says. And my God will supply all your needs according to your capabilities. Is that what he says? No, that's not what he says. He says, according to his riches. Whose riches? Jesus Christ. It is according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So he supplies every need you have, and it's through Christ that that need is met. You see, Non-believers and some Christians live in spiritual poverty. Now, non-believers live in spiritual poverty because they don't know Christ and they don't understand the spiritual blessings, and so they don't have them. But I'm here to tell you there are a lot of Christians that they have been poured into their lives, but they don't use them. They don't even know what they are. They don't even realize they have them because they're not walking with Christ they're not submitting to him. They're not giving them him their whole life. Surrendering and saying, God, you are the potter and I am the clay. Mold me and shape me even when it's painful. Even when I don't like it. Even when I don't understand it. Mold me and shape me so that I can be like you. 
so that I can accomplish what you want me to accomplish. You see, so often we don't allow the Holy Spirit to use us the way God wants to use us. You see, with that in mind, it will help us to learn just what these heavenly things are. And we are told that in the following verses in Ephesians 1. These verses show us the great salvation that God has given us. He initiated that. He accomplished that all by himself. We had nothing to do with it but be reciprocants of that salvation. As God saved us and redeemed us. So look with me in verse 4. In verse 4 it says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be made holy and blameless before him in love. Now notice that. Just as he chose us in him. Now, Paul describes these things in terms sometimes that are difficult for us to understand. He speaks of foreknowledge here. You see, this verse deals with the matter of election, or some people say predestination. You see, he knew me before he formed me in my mother's womb. He had already determined that I would be part of his family. Now, I can't explain that. I, I really honestly can't. There are some people that say that we are predestined and there's nothing we can do about being lost or saved. And there are some people that disagree with that and they say that we have foreknowledge and it's if we accept Jesus Christ or if we don't. But I'm here to tell you that anybody who tells you that they understand salvation and how it comes about, they're lying. Because nobody does. The Bible is not really, really clear on that. And I see predestination in the Bible. When Paul was on the Damascus Road, he wasn't even thinking about Jesus. And he was chosen by God. And God used him in major ways. But I also see free will in the Bible. Whosoever will. So I, I think God uses whatever he has to use to accomplish his purpose. And who are we to argue with God or to be mad because it's not done the way we think it needs to be done? God is God. We are his creation. And he can do with us whatever he wants to do. But I, I do believe this. I believe that God sometimes uses predestination and sometimes he uses free will. And I think that I'm like Adrian Rogers. If you look down a pair of, or a set of railroad tracks, and if you can see far enough down that, you know, it starts out over here, but then the further you see, it, it looks like they come together. I think that's the way God's salvation is. You know, he uses one or the other, and sometimes they come together. And we can't always understand everything that God does. And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that one way is right and one way is wrong and all that kind of stuff because I don't think anybody can, truthfully. Who can understand why he even saved one of us? Who, who in this room deserves to be saved? We just are thankful that he saved us. And, and so we... Just have to accept whatever God is doing in our lives. You see, foreknowledge, 
means that he knows all from before he created anything all the way to the end or the future and the future never ends he knows everything he some people say well he chose people because he knew through the foreknowledge that they were going to accept him i can't argue against that either you know because he did know that if he knows all things he knows and he knew me before he ever created me then he knows what i'm going to do with my life so I mean, we just, we can't get caught up with, uh, with terms that we don't understand. We just have to accept God has saved us and move on. But he speaks about our salvation and that he knows us before we were formed in our mother's wombs and that he has a plan and a purpose for our life and we need to allow him to accomplish that in our lives. One of the greatest spiritual blessings we enjoy as saved people is the fact that we were chosen in Christ by the grace of God. Notice with me in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his, excuse me, his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. So for those that he foreknew, for those that he saved, for those that he uh, knew was going to be part of his family, he predestined us to become what? Like Jesus Christ, in the image of Jesus Christ, so that he would be able, excuse me, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, notice this, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to those things? If God is for us, who is against us? Now, I want you to notice the tense. What is the tense that is being used there in verse 30? Is it past? Is it present? It's past tense. Notice what he says. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also glorified. Notice, it's past tense. And so God is doing a work in our lives before he even brought us into life. He knew us and he began a work in our life before we were ever born. What a great and mighty God we serve. One of the greatest spiritual blessings we enjoy as saved people is the fact that we know that God knew us. And God knew everything about us. And God knew how awful we were. And he saved us anyway. Even when we didn't love him and even when we rejected him, he saved us. He kept working in our lives to the point where we would come to know him as our personal Lord and Savior. But also in verse 5, notice he speaks of family. In verse 5, notice what he says. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, 
according to the kind intention of his will. So his will was to adopt us and for us to be part of his family and for us to be able to approach the throne of God and be able to lay at his feet and give him everything in our lives and every need we have and for him to take care of that. We are part of the family. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Everything that he has, we have. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, it tells us, See what great a love the Father has for us. What an awesome love. We can't even begin to understand how much God loves us. You see, we are sons and daughters with all the rights and privileges that Jesus Christ has, we have as well. Notice in Romans once again, in Romans chapter 8, in verses 16 and 17, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. You see, we are brought into the family of God through the blood of Jesus Christ that covers our sins. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see sin any longer. He sees perfection. And we are children of God that will be glorified with Jesus Christ. How awesome is that? But then also in verse 6, he speaks of favor. Notice what he says in verse 6. He says, to the praise of the glory of the grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. The grace that he poured out. It took a lot of grace for him to even uh, think about saving me. You know, it, it is the grace of God, unmerited favor. I didn't deserve it. But God did it anyway because he loved me. You see, the verse reminds us that we are accepted by the Father when we received Jesus, we were reconciled to the Lord. There was a time when we were outcasts. You remember in Ephesians chapter 1, I mean chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, it talks about the fact in the first three verses, it talks about the fact of how sinful we were and how much we were involved in sin and that we were people of wickedness. But then in verse 4, what does it say? But God... And that makes all the difference. But God loved us and God saved us. But then skip down to starting in verse 12. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, excluded from the covenant, I mean, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But... Now in Christ Jesus, you who are formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who were lost, you who had no relationship with God, now have a relationship with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. But also, notice with me in verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our transgression, the trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. You see, we have freedom now. 
And that's what verse 7 is talking about. This verse tells us that we have been redeemed, that we have been made new, that we are new creatures in Christ, and that we have an eternity to spend with God. There are three Greek words in the New Testament that are translated redeemed, but this particular one means to release a captive after the payment of ransom has been paid. And so what he's really talking about here, it carries the idea of purchasing a slave, and then immediately after you purchase him, he becomes yours, and you give him freedom. You let him go. And that's what God did for us. We were in bondage to sin and Satan, but now he paid the price. He gave us freedom so that now we can go and serve him. And we need to understand what that means. In our daily life, we are to serve him, to bring glory to him, to bring honor to him, to do everything that he wants us to do. In John 19, 30, it tells us, right before Jesus died on the cross, he said what? It is what? Finished. And at that point, he freed us all because he had paid the price. He had paid the price for our freedom. Also, in verse 7, it talks about that forgiveness that he has given us. You see, this verse goes on to tell us that we have received forgiveness of our sins. You see, I, I don't know about you, but that means something to me. It, it was a, a, a difficult situation that I found myself in. I was a wretched individual. I was sinful. I, I, I didn't even know God nor love God. I didn't want to do the things of God, but then God came in and he saved me and he instantly changed me and he gave me salvation and he forgave me of every sin, past, present, and future. How awesome is that? In Psalms 103, 12, it says, as far as the east is from the west, that is how far he has removed our sins from himself and from us. How awesome is that God that we serve? that so often we are casual about living for him or being obedient to him or giving or trusting our lives into his hands. But also notice in verse 11, it says, And we also have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who worked all things after the counsel of his will. He gave us a whole new future. What was your future like before you came to know Christ? It was damned. You were going to spend eternity in hell. But he gave you a whole new future. And that future is spending eternity in his presence. And allowing him to just love on us. You see, these verses speak more about spiritual blessings that manifest themselves as we go through life into the future. We need to be focused on the spiritual blessings that God has poured into our lives, not the, not the material blessings down here. There's nothing wrong with having those. God created this earth. He created it for us to enjoy. He created, our, he created our families for us to enjoy. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the blessings of earth but not more than the blessings of God. 
It's, it's nothing wrong with doing things and working so that you can have things, but not more than surrendering yourself to God and letting God have his way in your life. What if you were John today? What if you were John to... You knew that God was calling you and you're, you're doing everything you can to be obedient, to honor him, to serve him, knowing that you're probably going to die and trying to do that. Would you do it? Would you get in that boat? Would you cross that water? Knowing that when you land, the odds are you're going to die sooner or later. Probably sooner more than later. See, he did that because he believed that obedience was more important than anything. That surrendering our lives to God is more important than anything. But so often, we, and I'm including myself in this, not just you, so often, it's not God's will that we want, it's our will that we want. Look at your prayers sometimes and see how much it is. God, do this, and God, do that, and God, I want you to do this, and God, I want you to do that, and God, you know, it's all about us. It's not, God, what is it that you want me to do with my life? God, help me to surrender to you every part of my being as you mold me and shape me into what you want me to be, not what I want to be. God, even if it means that my life is short and it's difficult, God, I'm not living for this world but I'm living for the next. What are you doing for God today? How are you serving him? How are you being faithful to him? Is AJ back there? Can you come and just strum just for a minute? I know we got some other things to do today but just for a second, because I just feel like that we need to have a time where we can say, God, I, I just want to be faithful to you. And I, I, I want us to do it publicly. I will admit to you that I'm not always submitting to him. And there are times when I ask questions and I wonder why, and, and God understands that. But sometimes I want him to do things that he it's not doing. And sometimes I get frustrated with that. But I need to just surrender and let God be God. And for me to be faithful to that, whatever that is. If you'd please stand. And I'd like for you today, if you can surrender your life to him and say, God, I, you, you're going to have to help me. This is not easy for me. And I, I understand that. I know that. But God, help me to surrender to you everything I am and everything I ever will be. Use me the way you use John. Use me the way you use Paul. 
Use me the way you use those disciples. Use me however you want me to be used. And if that's the case, if you will publicly just come to the altar and say, God, here I am. Here I am. I, I, I don't think y'all used to that, but I, I just think it's time that we make public statements that people can hold us accountable. So I just pray that you will come now during this time and say, God, here I am. Use me. Father, as we come to you, I pray that you have worked in hearts and lives. You have done so much for us. You have given us everything. God, help us to give us back to you. Father, I pray that you will work in hearts and lives in a mighty way here today. Father, if anybody does not know you, I pray they will come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We're not going to stay here long. So if you're going to come, come now. Um, if you're going to say, God, here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be faithful to you. You need to come now. Trusting him and him alone. His plan for your life and you letting go of yours. Father, as we come, we are so thankful for those that came to the front. And Father, we're thankful for those that made that decision privately where they're standing. But God, we give you praise for all that you have done in our lives and all that you want to do in our lives. We can't even begin to imagine what you have for us when we let ourselves go and give ourselves to you. There are things beyond our comprehension and imagination that you want to do in our lives and you want to do in us and through us and people that you want to reach through us. Father, help us to be open to you. We pray this all in Jesus' name.